Hello there, and welcome back to the Mets Council Podcast, your place for counseling about the New York Mets. I'm your host, Jonathan Arisso, and oh boy, um, do we have a somber episode for you guys today. Um, we're going to talk about Eduardo Escobar being traded. The Mets make a big trade. Um, I guess not a big trade, but it's a trade, right? Um, a player who was starting last year is no longer with the Mets, so we'll talk about that a lot, and we'll just talk about the state of the Mets, whose fault is it, um, and how they can get better. If they can get better, can they salvage it this year? Um, And my whole thoughts about that. Um, So let's start with this trade. Uh, The Mets traded Eduardo Escobar to the Angels, um, for two pitching prospects. So one is Coleman Crow, who's supposed to be pretty good. And the other one is Landon Marco. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. I'm uh, probably butchered that. But uh, the Mets also gave them cash considerations, and they're paying... Um, Escobar's salary down to the 720k league minimum. So basically the Mets are giving um, Eduardo Escobar to the Angels. They're paying his full contract and everything. And they get two pitching prospects in exchange. Um, Let's talk about what we gave up. And then let's talk about what we got. So I really like Eduardo Escobar. Uh, I liked him just as much as the next guy, right? He um, he was an okay player for the Mets, right? He wasn't great. Uh, he had an excellent, a, a, a beyond-the-moon September last year. Right? He was spectacular, right? The month of Escobar was awesome last year. That was great, and I'll always remember him for that, but I'll also remember him for for just being a a goofball and a likable guy in the clubhouse, and I think that, um, right, that's what he was hired for, was to be a, a, you know, a stopgap third baseman um, for Beatty, and now Beatty's up, and he's playing, and he was hired to be good in the clubhouse, and now he doesn't really have a role with the team. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I seemed like a great guy in the clubhouse. Whenever I went to the Mets games in person at City Field, he was always one of the players that signed, uh, you know, baseballs and baseball cards and jerseys and hats. Um, with all the with all the fans, right? Um, you see all if you've ever seen the Mets social media account where he's goofing around and. You know, the Mets ask the fun questions like, who do you go on a road trip with? Or, you know, they're golfing or something like that, right? Um, yeah, he was always in all of those, and it was always fun and great, great content for that. But, again, he, he was nothing more than – I never viewed him more than, at least numbers-wise and as a player, uh, as just a stopgap for Beatty. Um he seems like a great guy and he seems awesome and I wish him the best and I want the angels to win because, you know, I wanted to see Mike Trout and Shoy Otani in the playoffs, but I also really like Escobar. So I I want the angels to win. Right. Um, But 
that that's kind of my thoughts on Eduardo Escobar. People are are treating this like we're we're trading away the best player on our team for nothing, right? We traded away Mookie Betts for nothing, uh, like the Red Sox did. Uh, we didn't do that, right? Eduardo Escobar is great, but he's not getting any playing time, really, right? Um, really, he's only playing when when lefties are in because Beatty can't hit against lefties. He's a lefty, so he's not allowed to hit against lefties, which, deep breath, we'll get to that. Um so Escobar is really not being used. Um, you know, our manager never pinch hits anyone. So Escobar is not being used. Um, so, you know, it, it, we're, we're not really using Escobar and to get two pitching prospects for a, um, a, a farm system that desperately needs young pitching, right? That's what the Mets need. This is why the Mets signed Justin Verlander. That's why they signed Max Scherzer. It's because they don't have younger options that are better. There were no younger options that were better. Um, so it's great to see that. Even, you know, talks that might be a reliever, one of these guys could be a reliever or something, whatever. I'll take it, right? Um, I'll take three months of Escobar into... Um, a starting pitcher, right? Even if it's the number four, number five pitcher, a young controllable starting pitcher who's decent, right? That's all I want at this point. After the pitching this year, I just want a guy to go six innings, give up three runs or less. And then I'm happy. You're my favorite pitcher. <laughs> I'm very happy, um, you know, after this year. Um, so as long as they turn into that, I listen, I'll be happy. Young, controllable arm. Uh, it seems great. And and like I said, turning three months, right, July, August, and September of Eduardo Escobar into, I, I think it was like the 19th and 18th, or no, it's really, I think it was the 17th and 20th best prospects in the Angel system, something like that, somewhere in the high teens there. Um, it, that's where they were. But Already, Crow is, I believe, people are saying he's like the 11th best prospect in the Mets system. Um, And that's kind of, that doesn't mean that the Angels system is better than the Mets system. The Mets farm system is just really stacked at the top, and then it just kind of falls off. So it's great to add some guys um, to the farm system, right? We're building the farm system. We weren't using Escobar anyway. I see this as a win, right? The the money, people are going to complain. Well, they're paying for all of Escobar. First of all, it's Steve Cohen. He probably doesn't care. Second of all, unlike the Wilpons, the, he realized this with Cano. Uh, he realized this with McCann. And, and I'm not saying that Eduardo Escobar is failure. He's not a failure like those other two guys. But... Uh, he realizes that the money, the the check was already signed, right? The money's already gone. You, you, like, it doesn't matter. It's already gone. You already paid the player. So you might as well get the most out of him. So getting the most out of Cano was DFAing him. So he doesn't take up a spot. Getting the most out of McCann was trading him for nothing just to free up the spot for Francisco Alvarez, right? Um, and, and that's what Escobar is, right? The the money's already gone. The money doesn't matter to Steve Cohen. We have the richest owner in baseball. So getting the most out of Eduardo Escobar is trading him to get two pitching prospects that 
you know, even people are saying, oh, it's, they're not really great prospects. The Angels have this 28th best farm system or something like that. Uh, they have a really bad farm system, apparently, and, and they weren't really high prospects. Or, But I don't know that you could have gotten much better for Eduardo Escobar. I think he did pretty well in this trade. Um, I think, and, and then also something to note, too, is that Billy Epler drafted both of these guys, too. He drafted both these pitchers. So he knows a lot more about these guys than your average GM, right? He looked into these guys years ago, and, and he knows all about them. So he must really like them. This is his uh, philosophy, right? He drafted these guys based on his philosophy. So trade Escobar for even if they're lotto tickets, right? Even if it's just maybe these guys work out, maybe these guys don't. I don't know. Um, I'll take it. Because I do not think we were going to sign Eduardo Escobar at the end of the year. And um, I'm cool with that, right? We weren't using him, right? We were not, he was not playing that much. And we're not going to keep him after next year. So let's trade him and get the most we can for him. And uh, that's my philosophy. That's what I say with, um, with Trevor Story. When Trevor Story was on the 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 Rockies. This is something that absolutely baffles me, right? Baffles me. They didn't even try to sign him and they just let him walk. They didn't trade him. They weren't in the playoffs, right? At least this year, like the Angels are not going to trade Shohei Otani. Um, this is what I'm going to, you know, there were rumors about the Mets trading for Otani and SNY put out a, a trade proposal which was not a good proposal, but uh, this is all I'm going to say about this is the Angels are not trading Otani because they're in the wild card, right? They, they're within, I, I don't, they might even be in the wild card. Let me check. I don't know. As long as they're within five games of the wild card, they're not trading Otani, right? Uh, this is their chance to win with Otani and Trout. This is why they're trading. They're actually adding players. They're adding Eduardo Escobar. They just add, um, uh, another player, what was his name? Sorry, I just, I just completely blanked. I had his name. Um, shoot. Oh, now it's gonna now it's gonna kill me because I can't think of his name. Um, he he was on the Rockies and they just traded for him. Uh, not Michaelis. It's oh, shoot. I don't know why my brain is thinking Miles Michaelis because it's not him. I know it's not him. He's on, he's on the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. They're trading for players, right? It's, it's, not, it's not that important. Um, they're trading for players. So they're not going to trade away Shohei Otani, right? He's at the end. Of, this is his last contract year. Um, I don't know that they can outbid teams like the Dodgers or the Mets. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the Angels are going to get him back. I don't know if they even plan on trying to get him back. But, it, you know, if you... No, you're not going to get him back, and you're not in the playoffs, or you don't have a chance in the playoffs. You trade the guy to get stuff back, and um, you know the Angels are not going to do that because they're in the playoffs, and that makes sense. They're going to make a run because if you make it to the playoffs, because what I've said last year, um, if you make it to the playoffs, you never know what can happen. And uh, example being the Phillies last year almost won the World Series. The Nationals won the World Series in 2019. They were a wild card team. Um, so you never know what can happen. You just got to make it to the playoffs. And that's what the, the the Angels are doing right now. But go back in time to when Trevor Story signed with the Red Sox. 
again, the Rockies were not in the playoffs. They didn't even attempt signing him. And they didn't trade him. So uh, what did they get? Uh, they might have gotten a draft pick for him. I'm not sure. I think so. Uh, but other than that, they could have traded him to a contender and gotten a lot of prospects. Um, so that's my thought process. Why let the guy walk away and get nothing for him? If you know you're not going to sign him, you're not in the playoff run. You know, I, I don't know. That's my philosophy there. And we'll talk a lot more about that later because I think there's a chance. There's a chance that in a couple weeks from now, the Mets will be doing that a lot because the Mets have a lot of uh, free agents after this year. Uh, and we'll talk about all those guys and uh, let, let's see. Um, but I like the Eduardo Escobar trade. Uh, again, great guy. I wish him the best. No hard feelings. I'm very happy he's on the Angels, a team that I, I can root for. I root for because Mike Trout's awesome, because Shoyo Otani's awesome. And they have really nothing to do with us. So I can root for Eduardo Escobar, and I'm happy about that. Right? He's on a team that really has nothing to do with the Mets. So I'm happy about that. Um, but again, I like this trade because we're getting something instead of just having Eduardo Escobar rot on the bench. Let's move on to our uh, next segment here, where we talk about where the Mets are, whose fault is it, why are we this way. Um, First and foremost, I want to say it is... In comparison, this has very little to do with the offense. The offense has been pretty good. They they keep scoring runs. Um, and there there's incredible statistics. Absolutely horrible statistics. Um, incredible, I mean, by like shocking statistics of how many games the Mets have lost when they scored five runs or six runs or seven runs even. Uh, just because that's how bad the pitching is. That's how bad it is. Um, so what's the Mets problem right now? And and I think obviously the problem is pitching. And, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, Verlander is, has the Stephen Matz, right? He, he has the Stephen Matz flu, He's either lights out or he's kicked out in the second inning after giving up seven runs, right? That's what Steven Matz was. That's what I – I always saw Steven Matz as that kind of pitcher throughout his entire tenure with the Mets. It's either he was lights out through eight innings or he was kicked out in the second inning after giving up seven or ten runs or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of what Verlander has. Uh, now, I think Verlander and Scherzer are the way that they are. They're inconsistent because of the pitch clock. They're not used to it. They're older guys. Um, but we've seen some really good starts out of Verlander. We've seen, especially recently, Scherzer's last two starts were fantastic. Very good last two starts for Scherzer. So I, I don't think, knock on wood, I do not think that these two guys are done. I think it's just taking them time to maybe recuperate from injuries because both of them were injured earlier this year and 
adjust to the pitch clock at the same time because these are older guys and now they're being put on a timer right you have to pitch now 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 right that that's not how the game was for the last 20 years that both of them have pitched right they've almost been pitching for like 20 years now um that that's not how the game worked right so now they got to adjust to that they got to adjust to that timer to that clock I think it's just taking them some time. That's just what I think. But I think Scherzer looks really good the last two starts. Um, I feel pretty good about him. Uh, Verlander, again, I'm not sure. We'll see. He keeps going up and down and up and down. Senga is basically what I expected him to be. Right, He's a really good number three. Um, he's not pitching the innings, but we knew that because they pitched less innings in Japan. So he's got to adjust too, right? So not only do you have the two veterans at the beginning and the at the top of the rotation that have to adjust, uh, you know, after 20 years of doing of pitching one way, they got to pitch another way, and that goes for, you know, truthfully throughout all of baseball, we see stars and veterans, a lot of veterans, uh, a lot of veteran pitchers, a lot of veteran hitters, that have struggled because of the pitch clock. We've seen some that have benefited from it, like Luis Arias. But then you look at, like, Goldschmidt, who's not having as good of a year as last year, or Nolan Arenado, right? Some some of these guys that are just, they're veterans, and they're, they're and you know, they're all-stars every year. Annually, they are all-stars. Um, but they're just, they're, they're not adjusting to the pitch clock. Um, so it'll take some time, and they got to do the adjustments. And then you have Senga, who you knew, you knew he wasn't going to pitch the innings because he's got to adjust to that too. So not only do the first two guys have to adjust to the pitch clock, the third guy has to adjust to the pitch clock, adjust to the different mound in the USA, adjust to the different ball used in MLB as opposed to Japan. Uh, he, he's got to adjust to the cultural differences of the USA as well, right? You see, Senga's got a, a lot to adjust to. Um, and then you have... Carlos Carrasco, who was hurt earlier this year, um, and he's kind of been the pitcher that I've expected him to be, right? He's kind of the same guy he was last year. Um, And then you have Tyler McGill and David Peterson, who I think personally, I don't know, it's kind of a bold statement saying they, to me, both those guys are more disappointing than Scherzer and Verlander. Um, And that's kind of a bold statement. I don't know that I fully agree with that statement, but um, I just feel like I haven't seen anything, not even a glimmer of of a good pitcher in either of those two guys. At least Scherzer and Verlander have, you know, Scherzer a couple starts ago threw eight innings and gave up one run or something like that. And I was like, that's fantastic. And Verlander, has had fantastic starts as well. McGill and Peterson have looked nothing like they were last year. They're, they're just super disappointing. It, it, overall, they definitely make the, the top disappointing Mets list for this year, um, which I might have to make at the end of the year. Um, but it, definitely... Uh, because they were, you know, and to be fair, right, they weren't supposed to have that fifth spot. Quintana was supposed to have that spot, or Cookie was supposed to have the fifth spot, and Quintana in the fourth spot. But still, to to 
go from you know, McGill was the opening day starter last year, and he was fantastic the first three months of last year, whatever it was. The beginning of last year, he was fantastic. You know, remember we were saying, Silor, he's going to win the Cy Young. He's replacing DeGrom. He's doing great. Look at him. And then this year, he's, mm, yeah. And and Peterson has looked horrible, too, right? So Peterson was like a, a spot starter last year, too. Uh, but he was he was decent, right? You had a chance every time he stepped on the mound. Now, you know, the Mets announced that they were calling him up Tuesday to, to pitch against the Brewers, and, and people are saying they're moving their game, right? They don't want to see Peterson pitch uh, because of how bad he's, he's been. Um, he has like a 6 ERA in, in AAA. Something happened to him. I don't know what happened to him. One of his pitches, they messed with one of his pitches or something like that. I, I don't know, but um, something happened to him, and I don't know what that is. Um so they're definitely up there with the most disappointing Mets of the year. But so the starting pitching is kind of faltered. But again, you have to think about it. Verlander was hurt in the beginning of the year. Scherzer was hurt for some time. And then he got suspended, right? So both of those guys were out for quite a while. Cookie was hurt. He was out for a while. And Quintana's been out the whole year too. So, Senga's really been the only guy who you had penciled in out of your top five starters that have pitched the whole year. <laughs> so, you know, part of that is guys are underachieving, right? Like Verlander and Scherzer have been underachieving. McGill and Peterson have been underachieving. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is injuries. Um, you look at the middle reliever, um, the, the middle relief is a weakness. And that was a weakness going into the year. I think Billy Epler's plan, when you look at it, right? You look at it, uh, go all the way back. Go all the way back to, to February or January, and you look at Billy Epler's plan. It's not a bad plan. It's really not a bad plan. You have Scherzer. You have Verlander. They go five innings or whatever, right? five, maybe let's say they go six, right? A, a quality start, six innings, uh, give up a couple runs, but the Mets score five runs, right? They've been scoring five runs a lot or six runs or whatever. Seven, eight, nine, you have Adovino, Robertson, Diaz, and you're great, right? And, and Robertson has been a closer. So you basically have two closers. You have Robertson and you have Diaz. That's a great plan to me, right? So you just need to get through that sixth inning, maybe, maybe, but maybe a starter goes six. But if the starter goes five, maybe you have to, that's where you use your Raleigh or or your Brigham or that's your weak inning. But it's just one inning. It's just one inning. Um, because you have three guys that, that, that can lock down a game, any game. I would feel comfortable out of, you know, in the seventh, Robertson in the eighth, Diaz in the ninth. I'd, once you get to the seventh, I'd feel comfortable in that game. I mean, you know what? Great, great closers and great relief pitchers blow games, but still, I'd feel relatively comfortable. Um, and I, I think that's a pretty good. Um, that's a pretty good plan. Um, but I, I think obviously, and it, like blatantly, the Mets' problem has been their bullpen. 
And it's been their bullpen because it wasn't designed for this problem. The problem is Diaz is hurt. Right? So everyone bump, gets bumped up one. So instead of having to deal with maybe one inning in the sixth with a, a, a iffy guy with a Brigham or a Josh Walker uh, or Hartwig or one of those guys, right? even Smith, right? For one inning, they got to do two innings, right? Because you you got to do the sixth and the seventh, because then you have Adovino for eight and Robertson for nine, because you get rid of DS, right? So everyone gets bumped up a slot, and your worst guy is promoted. Some guy gets promoted from AAA. He's your worst guy, Leon, whoever it is. Uh, and now they're pitching instead of Diaz. So these guys are not not as good as Diaz. They're pitching instead of Diaz. Okay. Still, a couple innings, right? All you got to do is get through six and seven, eight, nine, locked it down. Um, so the team wasn't built for that, right? It wasn't built without Diaz. The bullpen is much weaker. Um, and then another problem is starters are not going five or six innings. Um, so you don't need those bad pitchers for, you know, oh, the sixth inning and the seventh inning, or maybe just the seventh inning. Now you need them for five, six, seven, right? Three innings instead of two or one inning. You need them for three innings. These middle relievers are pitching one-third of the ball game, if you're lucky. And if Robertson or Adovino are not available that night, they're pitching five innings of a ball game. Um, that's our problem, right, is we had strength at the end with Diaz, right, who's an all-star, an excellent, the best relief pitcher last year. You're supposed to have strength at the beginning with Verlander, Scherzer, Senga, Quintana, but these guys are hurt, they're underperforming, they're underachieving, um, and you were always going to have that kind of weak middle there, right? The the Achilles heel of the team was that weak middle bullpen. And because the end, Diaz is hurt, okay, that leaves some room for, for the weak middle to expand. And because the starters are not working, the weak middle expands even more. Um, so the Achilles heel of this team, the team is relying on the weakness, the weakest part of the team. That's really what is happening here. Um, and and it, it, whose fault is this? I, I think it's a little bit of everyone. Um, I think it's a little bit of Billy Epler. I think Billy Epler has, I think pretty much all the signings he made over the offseason have been stellar, right? Sam has been really good. Robertson has been even better than I could imagine. Uh, Nimmo... You know, a little iffy defense, which we'll get into. We'll get into that. Um, but I don't know where this team would be without Nimmo. Or I don't know who you, who you would get to replace Nimmo. So I'm very happy with signing Nimmo. Um, Verlander. Listen. People have complained to Billy Epler saying, why did he sign Scherzer and Verlander? Why did he sign Scherzer and Verlander? Who expected two 40-year-olds to pitch like crazy? Two things. One, last year Verlander won the Cy Young. Two, 
well, more than two things, right? Last year, Verlander won the Cy Young, and Scherzer had the lowest ERA of his entire career. Two, what were the other options? Who else was out there that you could have possibly gotten? Rodon is hurt. Yeah, he, no, (laughs) he wasn't a good option. So I, I don't, I don't know who's out there that you wanted the Mets to get instead. You know, the only guy I think you could make a a, a pretty good argument for is maybe Bassett. But other than that, you know, I I felt like the Mets really had to get an ace. Bassett's a good pitcher, but he's not an ace. To to make up for Jake Lee, they had to get an ace. And... I, I think if they signed Bassett instead of Verlander, I think there would be some uh, that would have ruffled some feathers in uh, January there, where December and January, whatever it was. And um, I don't think that would have worked out. So I defend Billy Epler there because I think that's true, right? If Corbin Burns was available, if Bieber was available, and he signed Verlander and Scherzer instead, then go ahead. Make fun of the guy all you want. Complain all you want, but there were no better options that were, like, Rodon is younger, but he continue, He has an injury history, and guess what? He got injured this year. Um, Jake, they obviously didn't sign because he has an injury history, and they, they knew the most about him. Look what happened. He got hurt again. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know who you wanted them to sign. Uh, that, that was a better option. All the other free agent pitchers are pretty much hurt or not good. Bassett's really the only one, right? <laughs> but, and, and he's okay. He's okay. He's not, like, excellent. So I, I think, I think Epler has been okay there. I think he could have signed another relief pitcher. He could have really stacked this bullpen. Again, a lot of the things are are not his fault because all those pitching injuries, the Diaz injury has been huge, right? All the it, all these injuries have really hurt the team. Like, really hurt this team. Um, I've listed all of them before. Four out of our five starters, top starters, were all hurt at some point during this year. Um, so, it, I mean, you know, and they had pitching depth, right? They had pitching depth in McGill and Peterson and and Lucchese even. And they, you know, they, they have a ton of starters. You can't even say he was unprepared. You can't say, well, the man signed two 40-year-olds and wasn't prepared just in case they were hurt. He was prepared. Looking at the way that McGill and Peterson pitched last year, I'm happy with them as our sixth, at the beginning of the year. I would I was happy with them as our sixth and seventh starter just in case Scherzer or Verlander got hurt, then they step up. Okay, I'm good with that, right? McGill was pretty good last year. Peterson was okay last year as our seventh starter, right, to bring him up just in case Scherzer gets hurt, just in case Verlander gets hurt. I'm okay with that. But obviously, those two guys have underachieved, and it's not working out. It's just not working out. So I do think it's it's Epler's fault because he should have signed another reliever, a middle reliever. Um, but 
it's also, so it's a little bit of Apple's fault. And I think some of the more recent moves that he's made, uh, I like the Escobar trade. Again, I like that trade, but like the, um, bring up Danny Mendick to replace Escobar. I don't really know how I feel about that. Um, and bringing in David Peterson uh, to play next Tuesday against the Brewers instead of Lucchese, who is player of the week, minor league player of the week. I don't understand that either. Um, so he's kind of been a little bit iffy, but I don't, I don't know. I don't blame... Uh, I don't blame Epler fully. I really don't. So, uh, it's a little bit Epler's fault. Who else is to blame here? I think the players are to blame as well. Like I said, I've talked loads about the pitching. Right? I talked about how Verlander and Scherzer are underachieving. underachieving. I talked about how McGill and Peterson are under uh, uh, bleh, underachieving. Um... There are some other players that are underachieving. Marte was underachieving for most of this year. He seems to have uh, he kicked into gear. Right? He, he's getting a little bit hot now, which is good. I'll take that, right? Signs of uh, uh, getting back to his former self. That could be because he had um, had surgery during the offseason. Maybe he was still recovering or didn't feel 100% or something. Um Lindor was a little bit, you know, iffy, right? Lindor had a really weird first half. Um, his average was not good. His OPS is not good. His RBIs were excellent. His home runs were excellent. So it was just a really weird, uh, weird year for Lindor so far. But again, he also seems to have kicked it into gear. Um, and, and I think McNeil is another player who... Unfortunately, unlike Lindor and Marte, who seem to have have you know really lit the fire here, and they're they're starting to look like they're older, their their former selves from last year. McNeil looks nothing like the NL batting champ that he used to be, right? Uh, McNeil should be the Luis Arias. He's getting a second shout out in the same podcast. I mean, he deserves it. The man's hitting four hundred, which is insane, uh, but. That's what McNeil, 400 is a lot, but he should at least be hitting 300 because that's McNeil. That's who he is. And uh, he's just not himself this year. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's a little, um, that's a little disappointing. We've, today, today's game is another example of how the players are to blame him. Uh, we see, like I mentioned before, pitchers, starting pitchers, not going very far into games. We've seen relievers give up games. We've seen poor base running this year. We've seen errors. We've seen a lot of walks, a lot of hit by pitches, a lot of errors, even more errors, right? Um, this is unacceptable. The errors are really unacceptable, and it's it's... We look like the Phillies last year. That's really what this... I'm almost... I, I don't want to say that because I hate the Phillies so much. But they almost look like a one-to-one of the Phillies last year. Right? Almost look like that. Um, because they're making errors left and right. And they're seven games out of the wild card, just like the Phillies were last year. Um, and listen, if the Mets make a comeback 
and they they I'll be happy. I'll be happy to be like the Phillies last year. If we make a comeback and make it to the World Series, that would be awesome. That'd be fantastic. But um this is not acceptable. Uh the way that I look at it is if the other team earns the game, it's it's an acceptable loss, right? A loss hurts no matter what kind of loss, but if the Braves just hit a ton of home runs off you because they're the Braves and that's what they do. If Bryce Harper hits a grand slam today because he's Bryce Harper, he's an all-star, probably a future Hall of Famer. Uh, it is what it is, right? He's a great player. You just got to tip your cap and say, listen, he's a great player. Um, and, and you know, that's, to me, an acceptable loss, right? They beat you. Uh, they earned the win. Um, but the Phillies did not earn the win. The Phillies didn't earn either of the wins in this series. Um, you know, more to that point. One of my friends texted me about today, how the Mets blew that lead, and, and you know, and he said that... Um, this is payback for the the lead the Phillies blew last year. And I said, no, they're nothing like each other. Nothing like each other. Because last year, the Mets earned that win. Right? If you remember, the Mets in the ninth inning strung together all those hits, those singles, those doubles. You know, it, they earned that win. Today, the Mets gifted the Phillies the win. The Phillies didn't earn the win. They didn't do anything to earn the win. They just stood in the batter's box, and the Mets pitchers hit them, walked them. The the Mets made errors. The Phillies did not earn the win today. They got the win, but they didn't earn it. Two different things. And to me, that's unacceptable. Like I said, if the other team just is better than you that day, if they're um, just, you know, if they just outduel you, if they outperform you, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not okay with that. I'm still disappointed. It's still loss. Or a loss is a loss either way. But this is unacceptable. This is really unacceptable to be giving away wins when we should have swept the Phillies this weekend. We really should have. We should have won two games against Houston. We won one. We really should have won two games. Um, this is unacceptable. And last but least, and I mean that least, I talked about this last week, or not last week, last podcast, excuse me, um, Buck Showalter. I, I am at the point, um, and I talked about it last week, where I was kind of in the middle. I, I didn't, I was starting to question my Buck Showalter uh, my allegiance to Buck Showalter. And now that has gone totally down the drain and just, no, I am I do not like Buck Showalter now. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't think he's a good manager. And I think he is managing this team in the worst way possible in the scenario that they are in. 
Um, there's a lot of strategies that Buck Showalter has that I just flat out disagree with. And one of his strategies, and I forgot if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but forgive me if I did, is that Buck Showalter cares a lot more about tomorrow's game than he does today's game. He prioritizes future games instead of the game that's currently being played. Um, and this is, you know, he had this last year. Um, we, we've seen uh, little hints of it and everything last year, but this year I think it's really sticking out um, that he prioritizes tomorrow's game over today's game which I fundamentally disagree with. Um, listen, we saw this. I know it hurts. I really know it hurts, but we got to bring it up again. The wild card last year. Um, he did this last year with, uh, which is something, again, I disagree with. I think he leaves pitchers in too long. Um, the, the He doesn't, he doesn't have the, instinct to say or doesn't have the wherewithal the the he doesn't he doesn't have his eyes open he can't see when a pitcher is gassed or tired or just not doing well or whatever um and the pitcher has to blow the game before he takes him out now today today is like the first time i've seen buck showalter do that where he took josh walker out before he blew the game but we'll talk about today's game we will trust me um and we saw a version of this last year in the first wild card game, right? With Scherzer on the mound, Scherzer, um, not going to sugarcoat it. He shit the bed last year. That's what happened. Um, there just wasn't good in the first wild card game. I believe he gave up seven runs, right? I don't know, something like that. Let me look this up. Um, card sorry but he he wasn't doing well right um let's see here where is max scherzer he had a 13 era and yep i was right he gave up seven earned runs i believe the um the score of that game was uh, like seven to nothing. By I, I want to see the, the where's the box score here. Um, it was like seven to nothing in the um, in the like third inning, right? Which is not acceptable. You you have to stay in the ball game. Um, let's see here. It, the final score was seven to one. Can I? I want to see, I don't, I don't know, whatever. I can't find the box score, but he didn't pull, like, I get it. You know what I understand? Scherzer's a Hall of Famer. He, he's great, but you can't drop this game. You can't drop the first game um, to, if you win the first game you, here we go, here we go, I got it. <clears throat> so, 
the Padres scored two runs in the first inning, one run in the second inning. Then Scherzer t- threw two innings in the third and the fourth with uh, that were scoreless. And then the fifth inning, he gave up four runs. Listen, I don't care what the name on the back of your jersey says. If you're having a bad night, listen, it was Max Scherzer versus you, Darvish. I think after those three runs, I kept them in the third inning, was scoreless. Okay. Kept them in the fourth inning, was scoreless. Okay. But once you go down seven runs, right? Three runs. You have to climb to get back from three runs um, against you, Darvish, because you, Darvish, is a good pitcher. Um, but he wanted Scherzer to go five or six innings because that's how, it, you know, back in my day, they used to throw nine innings. Um, one Scherzer clearly didn't have his stuff. And he prioritized saving the bullpen for tomorrow instead of using it today, winning game one, having the advantage. I mean, I I guess this whole argument about this um, is is null and void because the Mets didn't score any runs anyway, but the game would have been a lot closer. Um, so Buck really has this problem of prioritizing future games. We saw it today, today. Eighth inning, Josh Walker gets brought in to face two lefties, right? Uh, three guys get on. He pulls Josh Walker, which is the right move. That's the right move. I've been complaining about this quite a lot, that he doesn't pull, I said this, he doesn't pull guys before disaster. He pulls them after disaster. And um, he, he, he finally did that. But he brought in Jeff Brigham. He brought in Jeff Brigham after David Robertson has pitched. He pitched 13 pitches yesterday and then hasn't pitched since last Sunday, a week ago. And he threw eight pitches last Sunday. Until before yesterday, he threw eight pitches in a week and a half until the Tuesday before that. That's when they last used him was not last Tuesday, the Tuesday before. So he literally went almost two weeks of just throwing eight pitches. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Zero. Zilch. None. As to why David Robertson should not have been in the eighth inning to extinguish that fire. Buck says, well, I was saving him for the ninth. Save him for the future. Not for the present. Not now when you need him. You need your best reliever to get out of the situation that could determine the game. But he brought in Brigham instead. Buck Showalter has made these bonehead decisions that just seem like logic to me. It's just logic. It's not even stats and numbers. and It's just logic. Um, multiple times, right? Almost, he pitched in the Blue Jays series, going back a while now. He pitched to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with a base open. Their best hitter on their team hit a two-run homer. Almost did the same thing to Stanton in the Yankees series. Base open. Almost pitched to Stanton. At least he learned his lesson there. He's letting Luis Guillerme take meaningful at-bats in the ninth inning when, at the time, everyone on your bench has a is more likely to hit a home run than Luis Guillerme. Luis Guillerme has five career home runs. Um... Eduardo Escobar, at the time, 
can hit more home runs than Luis Guillorme, is more likely to hit home run. Um, so is Omar Narvaez. So is Daniel Vogelback, who's on the bench. Vientos was on the bench. He was more likely to hit a home run. All those guys more likely to hit a home run than Luis Guillorme. Yet Guillorme bats multiple time, times in the top of the ninth, bottom of the ninth, down by one run. When one of these guys on the bench can hit a, a game-tying home run. But Guillermo bats because he's Guillermo. Um, listen, the way that I picture this, right? This is, we're going to start wrapping up here because I've done an extremely long episode today. The way that I picture this is the Mets do because Buck after the end of every single game says the same exact thing every game. It it, it is infuriating. He's a broken record. Um, he continually says. Hopefully, they'll get on a hot streak. Hopefully, we'll win tomorrow. We'll do better in the future. But you know what's happening? The future is running out. The season, just like every other season, the season is winding down. We're getting into the dog days of summer. Sooner or later, we're going to be at the trade deadline. And depending where this team is, determines what happens. At the trade deadline. Buck Showalter doesn't understand that. He thinks he has half a season left. He does not have half a season left. He has a couple weeks left. Um, let, let me look at this. I I think it's right. I would say till the All-Star break. All-Star break, right? Today is, what is today? Yeah, he literally has two weeks left. This upcoming uh, homestand, and then the the following road trip will determine what the Mets do at the trade deadline. Um, and I, I believe I know where where that's going. Right, we are playing all teams that are ahead of us. That's something else to mention. The Phillies are ahead of us in the wild card race. So today's game is even the last three games against the Phillies, where we lost two out of three even more meaningful than the Houston games, than the Yankees games, right? Than even the Toronto games that were all infuriating games to lose. The Phillies are more meaningful, even beating up on the Cardinals. The Pirates losing two out of three. The Pirates was meaningful. The Mets have not won a a series this month. They've not won a series this month. And if they won today's game, they could have won a series this month. Right, they have to win three out of four in Milwaukee to win a series this month. Otherwise, they go a whole month without winning a series. They tied a series with the Yankees because it's a two-game series. But other than that, they've lost every other series, which is terrible. Um, but this upcoming road trip, right? We have four in Milwaukee. We have three in San Francisco, three in Arizona. And then three, no, wait, wait, four against Milwaukee in City Field, three against San Francisco in City Field, three against Arizona away, three against San Diego away. All of these teams, all four of these teams are ahead of us in the standings of the wildcard standing. These are very meaningful, very impactful games here. And the way we play against these teams will determine what we do at the trade deadline. And... Listen, if we're still seven games out, if we're ten games out, right, 
right now, right? The put it this way, right? The division has been over for months now, right? For for months, we're 15 games out of the division. Then kiss that goodbye. We're gone, right? <laughs> That's not happening. There's no chance for that happening. The wild card, we're eight and a half games back. Eight and a half games back of the wild card. And whoa, look at this. Look, look, who's ahead of us in the wild card standings? San Diego, Milwaukee, San Francisco. The Pirates are um, are tied with us in the standings. So three out of the four teams are ahead of us in the standings. One of the teams that we're playing, um, right? No, wait, we're not playing the Pirates. Sorry, I messed that up. Right? Who are you playing? Milwaukee. Milwaukee is, um, sorry, similar colors. No, wait. Yeah, Milwaukee, San Diego, San Francisco, and what's the other team I mentioned? I'm sorry. I just lost track. Um, Arizona. Arizona's winning the division. That's the team I lost. Uh, Arizona's winning their division. Regardless, right? So three out of those four teams that we're playing over the next two weeks are ahead of us from the standings. Uh, Arizona, still team... Still games that we should win because we should win most games, um, but that's not happening. Buckshaw Walter doesn't see this, and I think Billy Epler does. Um, if the Mets are still eight and a half games out of the wild card, if they're ten games out of the wild card in two weeks, I think the Mets are sellers. And I think the Mets are sellers. I don't. They're not trading Francisco Lindor or Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez or Pete Alonso. They're not trading those guys. Don't worry about that. I mean, maybe Beatty or Alvarez in a blockbuster, like an incredible blockbuster trade, but I still really doubt it. They're not trading their, their stars, right? The Mets are are still terrible in two weeks. They're going to trade... Just like I mentioned with Escobar, we're going to kind of finish this podcast where we started it with Eduardo Escobar. We should trade Mark Canna, who's on the last year of his deal. I believe he has a team option next year, um, but that's okay. Um, whatever, trade him, get what you can for him. I don't personally don't think they were going to – yeah, he has a team option for next year. Personally, don't think they were going to – Activate that option anyway. I trade Mark Canna, trade Tommy Pham. Uh, I think isn't Narvaez on a one-year deal? I think so, right? Omar Narvaez is he on a one-year deal or was that two years? Three years in twenty twenty-four, one-year deal, uh, twenty-four player option. So you could trade him too. You could trade Narvaez too. Uh, so Canna. Fam, Fam's on a one-year deal. Narvaez, Robertson, um, R- Robertson, you're gonna get a pretty penny for because he's on a one-year deal too, I believe. Let me see that. David Robertson, unless he has some sort of option. Nope, no, he was one-year deal, ten million dollars. So David Robertson, if they're ten games out next in two weeks, I want to see them trade David Robertson. He's a great guy, a great pitcher, but let's get back something for him. Um maybe even Adam Adovino trade and get something. But well, all the one year guys. And you know what? Worst comes to worst. 
you want David Robertson back, you could sign him again in the offseason, right? Uh, and, and reboot and restart for next year. Uh, trade him, get something for him. Just like I was talking about with Trevor Story, just like I said with Mookie Betts, like at least they traded Mookie Betts and they tried to get something, right? The Mets are trying to get something out of Escobar. This is what I want to see them do if they're still below. Obviously, best scenario in the world, they turn into the 2022 Phillies and they make a run and they're doing very well and they they creep back to 500, right? That that would be the best scenario in the world. Um, but right now, there's seven games under 500. They're eight and a half games back in the wild card. I mean, anything's possible. We'll see. But again, if by the All Star break they're out of it, trade these guys and get the most you can. Replenish the farm and and just see. Right, these guys are guys that you were going to let go or were free agents. And, and, I mean, at that point, you're waving the white flag. You're giving up on this season. It is what it is. Um, but, I, I mean, I think that's kind of fair if you're 10 games out of the wild card. And there's nowhere. Because right now, to me, there's very little signs that say this team's going to bounce back. There's no signs that this team bounces back. Um, then that's what you do. Um, but I, I think Buckshaw Walter has been a huge problem. And the the reason why I have very little hope for this team, if I look at last year, last year's team, the record did not um, properly it, it it didn't properly show what that team could have been. That that team should have won more games, and I felt like Buckshaw Walter dragged them down by some really bad decisions. Um, by some really bad decisions in the final games in Atlanta of the year, by some really bad decisions in the wild card. And uh, Buck Showalter, I do not think, is a good manager. And the team last year was really, really good, and he tracked them down just a little bit. They should have won more games than they did. Um, but because they were so good, they were so hot, and, and everyone was on their A game. Everyone was excellent. Um, everyone had career years. Buck Showalter's terrible managing really wasn't the star of the show. Uh, but this year, because the Mets are behind and, and, and you know, Buck Showalter is the, the cinder block tied to their leg when they're, they're in the ocean, they're treading water. They're not even treading water at this point, right? They're not even at 500. Um, so, you know, last year they did more than tread water and they still had that cinder block tied to their leg, um, but this year, I look at it as they're at a disadvantage because the players weren't playing, and now they're at an even bigger disadvantage because the players aren't playing, and Buckshaw Walter is not a good manager. Uh, last year, both Buckshaw Walter gave them a disadvantage, but the the excellence of the team really just overpowered that. Um, and I listen. I don't know what's happening. Just hope for the best. And uh, and let's see what happens over the next two weeks, right? Maybe, like I said, Lindor's getting hot. Marte's getting hot. Pete's coming back from the injury. Scherzer looks much better. Maybe Quintana comes back and, and makes an impact. I don't know. We'll see. Let's just see. We got a couple more weeks. In a couple more weeks, then we'll get 
the the very big rant, and we'll get to, I mean, I still think they should fire Showalter, but we'll get the very big rant, but we got two weeks, so let's wait two weeks. But thank you for watching, and as always, let's go Mets.